for millions of years, humans adapted to be moving. And what's happened over the last hundred years is really we've gained so much mechanical advantage in industry and with machines that we've really engineered our environment where we get less physical activity now than we historically have. It's time for another edition of Exercise Snacks Bite Size Science, presented by All-in-One Super Blend, the complete nutrition drink with a full supply of daily vitamins and minerals and two full servings of vegetables. It's superfood for superhumans. Visit allinonesuperblend.com. We also have a giveaway going on for you to win your very own Super Blend starter kit. You can head to atfw.ca to enter. On today's episode, we welcome Dr. Todd DeMell, who's a professor in the Faculty of Kinesiology and Recreation Management at the University of Manitoba and principal investigator at the Institute of Cardiovascular Sciences at the General Hospital in Winnipeg. Now, we know that insufficient physical activity is the single largest risk factor contributing to development of chronic diseases in the world today. Sedentary time is not the opposite of exercise. It's actually its own risk factor. Now, being Heart Health Month, today we're going to explore his research that highlights that avoiding exercise might not be about discipline, but rather how physical activity is viewed. He provides science-backed insights into understanding people's motivations as a way to help them find more suitable and enjoyable exercise that's easier to integrate into daily life and sustain in the long term. Before we get to the snack-sized episode, be sure to hit like and subscribe. We have new episodes weekly featuring industry thought leaders and influencers. I'm your host, Chrissy Van, and this is ATFW. I am so pleased to have you because it is Heart Month, and I know here at All Things Fitness and Wellness, we speak so often to how our fitness and our overall health is really influenced by movement. And we do have this physical inactivity crisis within Canada. And unfortunately, the numbers and percentages that we see of the populace that aren't getting physically active really hasn't changed or pivoted that much in a very long time. So I think a lot of us are trying to crack the code on how do we get more people to embrace movement in their lives. And I know that this is an area that you are an expert in. But before we get to it, speak to me a little bit more about our cardiovascular health and how exercise is actually something that can really help us enhance that. Yeah, well, there's a number of ways that exercise is good. Um, physical activity is even better because we do it because uh, we it's interesting to us more than anything else. We can accumulate physical activity just by going out and hanging out with friends. So uh, the heart pumps harder, blood gets flowing. That's good for your vasculature because the as the blood rubs the uh, vascular walls, you get more nitric oxide that leads to vasodilation, lots of good things there. Muscles are release extra kinds, which are kind of hormones and different things, signaling molecules that are released during exercise. Those go signal faraway places, make your brain work better, your liver work better, and other tissues like that. And there has to be recognition that, um, you know, for millions of years, humans adapted to be moving. And what's happened over the last hundred years is really we've gained so much mechanical advantage in industry and with machines that we've really engineered our environment where we get less physical activity now than we historically have. You bring up such a good point. I actually had a guest on recently who was working with a movement specialist and she kept asking him, you know, what's the ideal amount? How much should I be going? And he's like, you're telling me ideal world. And if it's ideal world, we actually wouldn't be setting aside time to exercise at all. It would have been 
foundations built in our everyday lives because of how we had to live. And now convenience lifestyle, I'm sure many of us in 2024 are very glad we quite literally have the world at our fingertips, but it is coming at this cost. So talk to me a little bit because I know human behavior is such a specialty of yours. Explain some of the misconceptions we have in regards to incorporating movement into our daily lives because the code doesn't need to be as hard to crack as it seems like we're making it. Yeah, I always get worried that when we talk about these fitness crazes and things, we, we worry about people that are consider themselves to be athletes. And athletes are easy, right? Like They make themselves go out and exercise. They're willing to go do crazy type Olympic training and different things. And so we don't have to worry about Olympic athletes much. We don't have to worry about weekend warriors much because those people are making good choices. The people that I, I really worry about are the ones that hated phys ed. So think back to grade school and high school. How many people would sit on the sidelines there, right? Very few initially in grade school. But as you got to high school, people started hating phys ed for whatever reason. Um, some people just never really enjoyed doing the volleyball or the different sports that were there. And we created um, kind of a phys ed program that was really sport-based and not really lifestyle-based. So people that you see active as they age are people that walk in their neighborhood, people that go out and do gardening, people that um, find ways to have an active lifestyle rather than go exercise. Because those people that are choosing to go to the gym to work out, that's awesome. That's better for you than just walking. But um, it's the people that are in healthcare are the ones that were likely to probably have hated phys ed in the old days, if they think back in their lifestyle. Um, Everybody knows exercise is good. The hard part is, is how do you get up and do it? You highlight something that speaks to me so greatly because I was the kid that was really terrible at sports and I had a lot of gumption. So I would, I warmed a lot of benches because I would try out for everything and then just get sidelined because I was terrible. And because of that, I was, phys ed was one of the first classes I actually dropped in high school. So you saying that I actually, you gave me that aha moment in my own brain and Eventually, as an adult, I kind of circled into fitness and gym spaces because I realized that was me against me and for myself personally became a space to really exercise my mental muscles as much as my physical. But that disconnect in fitness, they lost me there because it was entirely sports based. And as somebody that as much as I tried, it wasn't a talent. I was like, well, guess physical activity is not for me, which we clearly know is not the answer. So I know that you worked on the Encourage project. So first of all, explain what that was. Yeah, Encourage is a great acronym that we came up for it because what we wanted to do was encourage people to be more active. Uh, and we made connections with two different um, primary care clinics in Winnipeg. So we partnered with the regional health authority we have here. Uh, and we actually put a kinesiologist into these two clinics. And their job was three things. One is to be able to help the physicians and nurse practitioners to be able to better prescribe exercise to their own clients. So they were a resource for that. The second thing that they did was actually counsel patients on how to become more physically active. So the kinesiologists would meet with their own clients at the primary care clinics uh, and then prescribe exercise. And then the third thing, and this was actually probably the biggest learning, uh, primary care clinics aren't necessarily well integrated into their neighborhoods. So if you think about it, you go see your doctor, you go in the doctor's office and then you leave and there's no connection to community. Well, if you can go to your doctor's office and actually be given information on where's the closest yoga place or where's the closest place to go on a walking trail and you see lots of health promotion activities listed there and then your, your physician or your nurse that you're seeing, if they tell you more about exercise, how many different times can people give you information before it starts sinking in that, you know what, actually being active is easier than I thought. 
And my healthcare provider is telling me it's a good thing. So you're getting an exercise prescription from a doctor, you're getting it from a kinesiologist, and you're seeing that there's opportunities around. Um, what would you do if your if your um, physician told you, by the way, did you know there's a pool of, about a kilometer from here, just around the corner? Um, would you think about going more? That was kind of the ideas of of what Encourage was doing. How do we how do we more holistically integrate physical activity counseling into healthcare. So what were your findings when that was being integrated in regards? Because, I mean, we know for so long we're habitual creatures. It's very easy to fall back into our patterns of how we're living our lives. So was this influence and reminders from somebody that I think most of us respect our healthcare providers' opinions? It's who we go to in our time of need. So was this effective? Yeah, so we had several hundred referrals to the program, even for things that we didn't expect. Um, physicians were referring people with pain to us, uh, people with chronic diseases, women that were pregnant. The physicians wanted them to become more active, so they would refer them to our program. Uh, and on average, people were adding at least 1,500 steps to their daily activities. Um, normally, we, we can talk about how to prescribe exercise in a variety of ways. One of the easiest is to do step counts. Heart and Stroke Foundation of Canada recommends people do about 10,000 steps a day. The reality is, is most people that are 45 and older might accumulate about 3,000 steps. So if you add 1,500 steps to that, that's actually an increase of 50%. So they're moving more. They're not necessarily meeting the guideline that Heart and Stroke's recommending. They might not be meeting Canada's 24-hour movement guidelines, which is about a, a two and a half hours of moderate, vigorous physical activity, plus getting enough sleep, plus reducing their sedentary time. But you know what? Anything, Any movement is better than what you did yesterday. And if you can do more tomorrow, that's success. So when you think about these people that are in healthcare, when you walk in and you see people that are sick for various reasons, again, they're the people that didn't necessarily love doing sports. So how do we get them doing more? So I think a lot about my grandmother. She gardened until she was 85. She would go out and she would just putter in the garden. Now, you may not think about that as exercise for people, but what does high-intensity interval training look like to somebody that's 85 years old? right? It's different than what it looks like for an Olympic athlete who we would normally give high intensity interval training to. But when she had to walk down and carry her, her um, gardening supplies with her, and she had to work for a little while tilling the ground with her hands and shovel and stuff, that was hard work for my grandma. And I actually think that that kept her alive a long time. It was good for her mentally. It was good for her to do physically down there. So that exercise prescription looks different than maybe what you give an athlete. And why I want us to contextualize Doing more than you did yesterday is success for physical activity. Um, it's a message that anybody can have. So when you, uh, I'm aware of a program at Ottawa Heart Institute, and they do high-intensity interval training with um, older adults that have had heart disease. And that, inter that prescription they give is dancing. Just dance for a minute until you um, get tired, then catch your breath. If you look at a different disease state like peripheral artery disease, we tell those people, walk as fast as you can until your legs hurt and you get this pain called claudication pain. It's kind of like angina, but when you have peripheral artery disease in your legs, you feel the pain in your legs. So walk as fast as you can until you feel that pain, sit down, take a break, and then get up and do it again, right? So that prescription looks different than it does for an Olympic athlete, but it's intensity-based, it's, it's um, duration-based, and it's progressive in that as you get the people doing this over a few weeks, they actually will walk longer before they feel that pain. They'll walk faster before they feel the pain. It's really good. So in our research in Winnipeg, we um, use walking speed as a predictor of cardiac surgery outcomes. So the faster you can walk five meters actually predicts how many days you'll be in hospital after heart surgery. 
Um, so that's really interesting. So how do you, how do you, like theoretically, how could you get people to get out of hospital sooner? Get them to walk better, right? And that starts out by having people with really low fitness levels doing more today, tomorrow, the next day, and that progressively builds up. So it's really about how do you get people to get activity into their daily living more than um, getting them out to a certain gym, to a certain program, to a certain routine. If you can get people moving more now, that's the benefit that everybody can can really gain from. I really like that example because we talk about that a lot, that low fit or no fit to low fit segment and how that is an absolute win if you find something that is accessible and that they embrace. And ultimately, you hope that they enjoy with this prescription model. Did the research explore at all in regards to adherence for more longer term outcomes? Like if this mindset shift is obviously happening for people that are taking part. So how did that work from the adherence side? Because we know people have a lot of, you know, intrinsic motivation at the beginning. They're maybe excited that they're starting something new, but that's a very fleeting feeling. Yeah. So one of the things we would, uh, we would recommend is, is try to find some friends to do it with having friendships and people to go out with, give you a support group. And that leads to better adherence. We have seasonal effects in Winnipeg, right? It's wonderful to be oh, out yeah. in spring, summer, and fall in Winnipeg. Sunny as can be. I, I compete against anybody in Canada for our weather in the summer. You like know, I used to be years, a weather anchor, so I'll give you that. <laughs> most years, though, when it gets cold in January, February, typically it could be minus 40, so we see activity levels plummet. But there's still ways to be active. A lot of people go mall walking or different places. So the motivation um, changes through the year, but the exercise prescription should change during the year. What you want to do might change during the year. There's actually evidence showing that knitting um, has health benefits or just standing and doing nothing else but standing can actually improve your glucose control. So if you're a low fit person, you can get a lot of benefits from um, doing small activities. And then as time, as you get more fit, then you should be doing more purposeful activities. You should be going more intense, longer. And maybe you go from being a non-exerciser to somebody that actually likes being doing exercise. Maybe your identity changes a bit. So from an adherence perspective, everybody falls off the wagon sometime. It's about what do you do to get up? So if you don't like exercising per se, which is a purposeful, intentional thing, do a stealth intervention. Find a way to trick yourself into it. So we actually um, created an app. It was called the Encourage app. It was a workplace-based thing. And it was it was simple reminders that would come up every 30 minutes on your phone. Go fill the uh, printer with 500 pieces of paper, right? And it's a ridiculous thing to do, but you walk over, you get up from your desk, you walk to the machine, the printer, you put in one reef of paper, you walk back to your desk and it's a, like a brief exercise snack. I know when you contacted me, you mentioned exercise snacks. These are wonderful things. So we've actually looked at um, population level data through um, different data sets we can get. And we actually looked at, can a brief 30 second bout actually reduce frailty in people? And we've shown this idea that um, if you just sit there and be sedentary for a while and you do a 30 second bout uh, of intense exercise and then go back and sit down, um, there's actually health benefits to that. And the idea kind of came from a joke where when I was talking to one of my students, I'm like, hey, when I watch football on Sundays, and this is relevant to the Super Bowl this weekend, I sit there, I watch the play, a commercial comes on and I run to my fridge. I run back to my chair and I sit down and I eat whatever nachos I brought home, right, brought over. But I said, is there health benefits to me running to my fridge and running back? It only lasts for 30 seconds. So we basically researched that question and we're showing that that 30 second interruption to the sedentary time I'm getting sitting in my chair 
actually has health benefits. So like, that's the place to start. If that little bit of exercise can help somebody, um, imagine what doing more of that can do. So this is where the high intensity um, models that are out there that people do, um, one minute on, one minute off kind of things. Um, intensity seems to be the biggest driver of fitness changes or strength changes and can affect everybody. And we use these models with people with heart disease as well as Olympic athletes. One of the more poignant things that you shared in this that stood out to me is when you were speaking to the reduction in days in hospital from implementing some of these activities. And, you know, nobody ever considers that unless they're actually faced with an illness. I think that we just have this mindset that it will never be me. It's always someone else until it is you. And then all of a sudden you go, shoot, I really should be taking charge and being an active participant in what my health looks like. But through your research, were there any other discoveries that made you go like, wow, I didn't realize that even just this little bit of effort could have such a big impact on my overall health? So the good news is, is it's never too late to start being more active than you were yesterday. So even if you've perhaps um, been unfortunate and had a heart attack, you can actually start exercising within three days after a heart attack safely. And every single time that you do a high intensity exercise bout after heart attack cuts your risk of a future heart attack in half. That's data shared by American College of Sports Medicine. So that statistics always stuck with me because it means that even in this, when you're at your sickest, if you can get up and just walk from your bed to the nursing station and back, that's a good thing. So we actually talk about exercise differently after surgery a lot of times. We talk about early mobility. How do we get people home sooner? And one of the things that seems to work is getting them up out of bed, going to the washroom. You know, sometimes you're lucky enough where there's a bathroom maybe 10 feet away from your bed. And the nurses always encourage you, get up and go to the bathroom, right? We don't realize that that's an early mobility um, intervention that they're doing where they want to know if we can walk that far. Because if you can walk that far, well, then maybe you can walk three times as far to the nursing station. And if you're able to work to the, nur uh, to the nursing station, um, that shows that you're able to go home, right? And then these are good things, right? So there's other data out there showing that just being able to do stairs keeps keeps older adults in their homes longer. Um, simple things like being able to open a heavy door is predictive of your uh, quality of life and different things. So even at your sickest, if you can walk better and just add some activity, you'll you'll be healthier. And then if you can really keep that going, which is the hard part, people sometimes change and they can't continue doing it. What it might mean is, is that stop doing the same thing. You're getting bored of it. Go find something different that you can do that's fun. So one of the things that we, we've done with some of our um, different initiatives is think about people that you like to have fun with. What do you do when you're hanging out with that person, right? Rarely is it watching TV and not talking, right? Rarely is it just watching your iPhone alone by yourself. It's usually with someone. So if you think about that really good feeling you get with your friend or with your aunt or uncle or maybe your grandparent, you're always doing something. So Go do something. That's the first thing. Do something that's better than sitting. It's funny, even on my way into my studio today, I was having a conversation with my mom who's in her late 60s, and she was quite a sedentary person. Funny enough, also worked in healthcare previously, 12-hour shifts, night shifts, no time in her world, in her view, for physical activity. And it wasn't until these later years, it started with pickleball. And now it's pickleball aquafit. But the thing that stood out to me in the conversation, because I said to her, I'm so proud of you. You've made this move. But the biggest thing is actually the social elements that have come out of it 
as well. Cause she's like, now I have a walk scheduled with Anne that I met at Tai Chi and this, that, and the other. And her entire world that she lives in has completely changed around her because she has now this community. And because of that community, it's encouraged her to try more, try more. And that's for somebody that really was like, I can't, I don't know how, and was very married to that mindset. So it is really possible at any point in life to mix things up. But, you know, for ourselves here at ATFW, we speak to a lot of fitness professionals right up to the C-suites kind of thing. And and everyone's asked themselves the same question for many years of how do we get people to hold on? How do we keep them moving? So you've shared a lot of great tips here, but if you were in their role and really working to get people to like adhere and fall in love with fitness, those people that are like my mom, that was like, nah, not for me. What would be your like biggest overarching message for them to put into practice? Yeah. I tell everybody, go live life. It's the most important thing you can do. Right. Cause if you're living life and you're, and you're making um, life enjoyable for yourself, you're going to be doing things. You're going to be moving. It's going to be in the background. Now, if you like going in and doing particular fitness classes, that's awesome. Do it. If you like lifting weights, go do it. If you don't like doing those things, though, there's other ways to do that without even realizing you're lifting weights. If um, we need to get people to go out and exercise, per se, which is purposeful, that's great. But they have to want to do it. If they don't want to, then they're not going to show up consistently. So find the want. Find the who that makes them want to do those things. And I think that'll be a lot easier for people to be able to stay motivated or at least to adapt and do something different when it's time to change because they're getting bored with something. I really appreciate it because I know so many people talk about the why, but the who, that's a really good takeaway because that really can be all the difference when they can visualize and know who they're doing it for, who they want to be there for, who they want to play with, participate with. So, and longevity luckily is such a bigger part of the conversation, especially from the fitness industry perspective. The narrative shift has been very refreshing because I do think, unfortunately, the way advertising was, particularly when I grew up, it hasn't been helpful nor effective. Nobody wants to hear every year about the shred like that's not the goal. I so appreciate your time and your insight. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us today on the topic? Yeah, a lot of our work with heart disease is actually focused on frailty and aging. Um, and aging, we all know somebody that's 100 years old and can run a marathon or do something that's fantastic. And it's so wonderful. But what they've done is they've, they've been able to move enough to counteract frailty. And this idea of frailty that I want to share with you as we leave here is it's two components. One is physical frailty, the strength that they have, the endurance that they have. But it's also frailty has a social component to it. If people are alone, they tend to become sedentary. They tend to do less activity. And it's the loneliness that's a big part. So that when earlier when we talked about the who, I think that's a really important of why people actually get out and live life and do things. So think about that. How do you not become frail? You get out, you live life. You do things with people that motivate you to do things or that you have fun doing things with. And if you do that, I think people will then do the higher intensity, the programs, the exercise that we really promote, right? But it has to start with the physical activity and wanting to do it. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. I always love having a fellow Canadian on as well. So I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day. And I appreciate you sharing your expertise with us today. Yeah, go live life. Perfect. That's the like, mantra of the day. Thank you. 
You've just listened to the All Things Fitness and Wellness podcast, hosted by Chrissy Van. This episode was brought to you by Fitness World, your fitness, your way. Be sure to hit like and subscribe. We have new podcast episodes weekly featuring industry insiders and influencers. Together, we're on a mission for everyone to live a life fit and well.